Hello and welcome to another episode of The Armchair Cricketer. In today's episode, we are going to cover everything to do with the Cricket World Cup and a little to do with the upcoming cricket summer with my friend, special guest, Edward Ross, who's on the line with us. All right, Ed, so welcome to Armchair Cricketer. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, thanks, Stamo, for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, sweet. All right. So as discussed, I'll start with a little quick fire, get to know you questions. Um, so I haven't given you what these questions are. Um, the first one's an easy one. Favorite cricket of all time? Uh, it has to be the, the late, great Shane Warne. Warney, yeah. Okay. Can't go wrong with that one. Favorite cricket moment? Oh, that's a bit of a tough one. Um, there's several, but... Probably the earliest one would be the the tied 1999 World Cup semi-final against South Africa. Oh, absolute ripper. Yeah, I still remember watching that in Sri Lanka. Yeah. Okay, that's a pretty good one. All right. If you could be one cricketer, who would it be? And it can be for any reason. Could be for looks, could be for talent, could be for the ladies they scored. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever you want. <laughs> Probably Gilchrist, just for his um, master blasting ability. Just game changing ahead of his yeah. time. All red, nice guy as well, walking off when he's out. I like that one. All right. Warren or Murley? I'd have to go Shane Warren. Yeah. McGrath or Wasi Makram? A bit of Aussie bias, but McGrath. Although Akram, Wasi Makram was an incredible bowler. Yeah. I think, I think personally I'd agree with that one as well. Like McGrath was unbelievable and underrated in my opinion. Um, Sachin or Ponting? Sachin. Sachin, right, yeah. Bradman or Coley? Bradman. Ooh, okay, all right. Malinga or Bumrah? Ooh, that's a toughie. I'd say Malinga. I love his action and his ability to just swing the ball. Yeah, and I think Malinga's achieved more as of right now. Bumrah might end up being the better cricketer. I, I tend to agree with that one as well. Um, all right, favourite IPL team? <laughs> I don't really know any of them. To be fair, I don't really follow it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. And you know what? The teams keep changing as well. I usually go for the Rajasthan Royals just because Shane Mon, um started them, but that's about it, really. In, in terms of name, maybe Kolkata Knight Riders. That's a sick, sick name for a team. Yeah, true. Yeah, and they've got Shah Rukh Khan as their owner as well. I don't know if you watch too much Bollywood or not, but Shah Rukh Khan's an all-time legend. Grew up in Sri Lanka watching him. All right, so let's get to the um, tougher questions and the proper questions now to for the purpose of this podcast. So what were your overall thoughts on the World Cup? Well, firstly, it was obviously great to see the Aussies win for the, the sixth time. Um, it never gets old seeing them win, and particularly this time around when we clearly weren't the best team going into the World Cup, and, and even in the final, which we'll talk about a bit later, um, where we came in as clear underdogs. And I think that made it even more satisfying that yeah, we were not in the best form coming in. Uh, we lost our first two matches and we're in a bit of a perilous position against Sri Lanka, if you remember. Um, we were facing zero for 120-something. Oh, boy, do I remember. Yeah, I was I was kind of unsure on who to go for with that game because, as you know, you know, born Sri Lankan but converted Australian supporter. Um, yeah, I agree. I reckon um, that Sri Lanka game, it was such a funny moment because it kickstarted the Australian campaign and absolutely killed the Sri Lankan campaign. It was all downhill for Sri Lankans from there onwards. Yeah, it was definitely a bit of a turning point. 
Yeah, yeah. Do you reckon the World Cup was marketed enough? Like, did you know about it? Did you have friends who were excited and knew about it? I reckon, yeah, they, they struggled to really promote it. Like, me being a, like a, a bit of a cricket nut, I sort of knew that. It was on the radar from the start of the year. Um, but, yeah, in, in, in terms of uh, marketing it within the country and then even on TV, um, I think I only saw an advert for it, like, you know, the weekend before the, when the matches kicked off. So there wasn't too much noise um, about it. And maybe that's because um, it was competing with like, the end of the footy season and maybe that could explain why. But, um, yeah, I felt like there wasn't enough um, as much interest as I would have uh, liked for a tournament of this magnitude. Yeah, I tend to agree. I didn't, like, I'm similar to you in, you know, trying to keep up with the cricket calendars, but I actually forgot this one was on until recently. And um, I felt like a similar thing happened with the T20 World Cup that we hosted in Australia recently as well, where no one really knew it was coming until it was around the corner and everyone started coming into the country. How can we get better support ratios in the subcontinent? Because those fan bases were ridiculous. They was just all blue whenever India played. I think something needs to be done there. What are your thoughts on that? As in getting more Aussie fans to go over there? Uh, whether it's Aussie or Sri Lankan or Kiwi or English, like there wasn't even the Barmy Army there this time around. Like that was just, it was just, um, and it's great that the locals are getting around it and watching it, but I felt like it was very biased compared to like a World 2020, the World 2020 in Australia. Um, England's probably the best host nation because you have, you know, populations from all countries. But I feel like whenever we play in subcontinent, it's just a, local host army really and wherever you play there's indian supporters but yeah any thoughts on how we might be able to ramp that one up i don't know maybe it's just down to the the perception of like traveling to india and maybe um there's a perception that it's a bit um dangerous to go to and maybe people are scared of their their personal safety and, and whatnot traveling through the country so I don't know, maybe having more so packages uh, like they do for the, the, the test tours around the world um, to sort of entice people to go, um, to sort of remove that element of you know, personal safety, perhaps. Um, that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah, the, t- the tours are a good one, right? Like we're, even we're starting to get to an age where we can consider them now. And I think there's a lot of cricket nuffies in Australia that if we, you know, we saw the marketing material for tours and things like that, we'd consider it. If we can get a package, you know, go to a few of the Australian games and stuff like that. I would genuinely block out my annual leave till a Cricket World Cup comes if I knew something like that was coming up and there was a tour. Yeah, I think I think they just need to do something on that topic. Uh, what do you think of the quality of the actual cricket of this World Cup? Yes, yeah, so overall, I thought it was a pretty mid-tier tournament um so there were some obvious moments of brilliance um but there were quite a few games that were one so- uh, one-sided and with, with the format the, the way it is like with just one group of, of 10 teams each playing each other once it felt it dragged on a bit um and I, I looked at the stats actually and i was quite surprised that um the, the number of matches that were decided by two or less wickets or 20 or less runs there was only two matches um, throughout the entire tournament out of, I think, 48. Um, 
So yeah, quite a few of the matches were pretty one-sided. So it was a bit hard to sort of get into them as as a neutral. Um, so yeah, overall there were a few like standout performances, like a, a couple of close like close-ish games, like Australia versus um, New Zealand. That was probably the, the pick of the bunch. Um, but yeah, outside of that, yeah, I felt like it was okay, but um, yeah, could have been better. Yeah, right. Interesting. Because I actually thought it was one of the best World Cups I've seen, but you're right in the sense there wasn't that many close World, um, World Cup matches. Like, yeah, you're right. So Australia, New Zealand, I thought Australia, South Africa, the semifinal was quite close. And then South Africa, Pakistan was quite close as well. But yeah, there wasn't too many close games. But um, I thought one of the best things about this particular World Cup was the different types of pitches really challenged the teams to be adaptable and also good in different parts of the game. Um, so that was really interesting. All right, so moving on, what was your favourite part of this World Cup? Well, aside from the obvious, um, Australia winning, um, <laughs> yeah, there were of course. a few standout highlights for me. So firstly, um, Afghanistan daring to dream. Um, that was a definite highlight, just seeing them just play the tournament of yep. their lives. And had they capitalized on their seven for 90 position against us uh, i would have given them uh, more than a, a fighter's chance to make it through to um the, the final four um with the the momentum they would have carried through to the final match but alas uh, that wasn't meant to be but still it was um terrific to see um you know historic uh, historic you know team um really um step up uh, this tournament um so that was that was one definite standout and then aside from that uh, maxi's 200 um quite possibly the the greatest uh odi innings of all time uh, by any batsman um uh that i you know a bit bummed i uh didn't get to see that given that occurred during the night but the, the highlights were just incredible and the the, the context around him not being able to run at all and just pretty much hitting sixes out of the park baseball style that was incredible um and then the, the third one would be um virat getting his 50th odi ton um which puts him um uh in rarefied air now uh and yeah uh, just seeing his greatness throughout the tournament he's, he's easily the, the greatest odi player of all time in, in my book and yeah, it was just great to see him in his element um, for you know, the most part of the tournament. Yeah, I tend to agree. I don't think anyone comes close to Virat Kohli, especially from a batting point of view, but his impact is just more than batting. He's, you know, brings the energy in the field and you can see he's always engaged in the game. Um, yeah, actually, I want to touch on a couple of the things you mentioned there. So Afghanistan, completely agree. I think they really harmed their chances by losing to Bangladesh. In hindsight, I actually can't understand how they lost to Bangladesh. They're so much better than all of that tier of teams now. So they're actually better than Sri Lanka. They're better than Bangladesh. And I think that losing to Bangladesh really cost them. Um, and then you touched on Maxi, and it's so easy to forget that he hurt himself playing golf. 
And on the grapevine, what I heard was apparently it was the Jesse Ryder Cup. So just getting as drunk as you can and playing golf. I don't know if that's true or not. I, I, I might get sued for saying this out loud. But um, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, you know, I hope it wasn't the case. But even if it was, for the man to do that, um, if allegedly to do that, and then back it up with that incredible innings where. He was given a life, like let's not forget that he was dropped um, at one of the phases of the game. But even after being given a life to capitalize on it and like towards the end of that innings, he, he actually didn't have any energy to even move and he was just hitting sixes off like the swing off the bat, which was insane. Yeah, absolute um, classic World Cup moment. I think it'll go down the history books. It's, it's one of those ones I think we'll look back in two, three, four, five years and be like, Wowee, that was a ridiculous innings. Like, and like you said, it probably will be recognised as the best one um, in a matter of time. For me, Heinrich Klassen was another revelation. I hadn't heard too much of him. I've heard, I've seen the name go around, but um, I noticed just before the World Cup, the South Africa Australia series, he was tonking us around a bit. But he was a serious player, and it's kind of a shame that I think he's thirty plus now. I'm not hundred percent on that. But, um, yeah, kind of a shame he's gotten into his cricketing career that late because he was a very good player and, um, yeah, would love to see more of him, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, um, yeah, I, I think I remember Clarkson scoring a century against uh, Pakistan um, and he was just backing them all over the park. I think he was the one that, um, yeah, single-handedly, like, brought South Africa to, like, a respectable total in that match. And, yeah, it was just... Um, it was in- incredible just seeing him just smack everything all over the ground. Yeah, he d- he did that a few times, and Marco Janssen um, batted quite well as well. I was quite disappointed with Marco Janssen's bowling, but that's for another time. Um, so from a post World Cup point of view, who are you most excited to keep tabs on? Yeah, firstly, um, I'm keen to follow Russian Ravindra. Um, I reckon that was a coming of age um in this tournament for him. To, uh, I think he scored what, two or three centuries, um, and yeah, um, he really showed um, a lot of class. Um, opening the batting as well, I might add too. So yeah, be interested to see how if he can um, take the next step and translate this to Test level. I, I think he's only played a handful of Tests, um, but yeah, uh, he's someone to to watch out for um, in, in the future. Um, and then secondly, also, um, on the flip side, be interested to see what happens to England, uh, given their disastrous campaign. Um, they just turned up. Uh, they didn't turn up at all, actually, and they just didn't look interested from the beginning. And, yeah, um, they've got a lot of old faces um, in their team, um, so it'd be interesting to see what direction they take with their team going forwards um, since, yeah, it was just... Um, quite a, a awful campaign um, for them. Yeah, I think exactly what you said as to Rachin Ravindran being the best young player by far. I can't think of anyone else um, even coming close to him. I think Rashid Khan's only 19 years old still. He's been about 19 for the last 20 years now. And then uh, there's also Shaheen um, Afridi, who's quite young as well. I don't know how old he is now. Surely they're like in the mid-20s by now. But um, I can't think of anyone else um, too young, doing too well 
in this particular World Cup. None of the Sri Lankan youngsters did do um, well. I know Australia didn't have too many young players as well. Anyways, um, Shipman Gill was probably the one who had a real opportunity to make a mark for himself, but he kind of missed out in the grand final. It's weird how, um, you know, your whole reputation is kept on the line um, when that happens to be the case. Um, And then Afghanistan, where they go from here, I'm really excited to see that as well because if they can maintain that maturity, I think they'll win a lot more tournaments. And also become start becoming one of those main test playing nations as well. But once again, it'll be interesting to see if they can uh, maintain that as well. They keep changing their captain a lot, which is really weird. I find every tournament you watch them in, there's a new captain, but it's the same playing group. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get some consistency there as well. All right, so getting to the big topics now. What were your thoughts on the final? And do you think that India could have won the game? Yeah, so what I what I think it came down to was Australia took the game on, India didn't um, in several uh, instances. I, I felt India were too passive uh, uh, as both the, the batting team and, and the bowling team, whereas we took our chances uh, and we, we, took, we made half chances into full chances. So things like uh, uh, Travis Head's ridiculous catch to dismiss Rohit Sharma. I mean, our aggressive fielding, which saved uh, at least 30 runs, I feel, uh, from all the, the work that David Warner, um, Marnus and, and co. did. Uh, and then um, uh, moves like Cummins bringing himself on to dismiss Coley at a very pivotal time of the match. Um, uh, those, those are some examples of where we just, um, we're on the front foot and we were the aggressors, whereas felt India, uh, they, they played a bit scared, a bit passive, um, things like relegating Sky to, to seven um, after uh, Jadeja, uh, which I think nullified um, his um, ability to score runs because I think it just put him in a position where he was in two minds and wasn't playing his usual aggressive self. Um, hardly any boundaries during the middle overs where, you know, I, I get you want to try and um, they rotate and strike and build a partnership, but I think they were playing a bit too safe um, in, in those middle overs. Uh, and then, yeah, things that just didn't make sense, like not opening with Siraj, which you mentioned in your previous podcast, which totally took him out of the game because he was uh, next to useless at, um, as a first change bowler. And then, yeah, another point you you mentioned that I completely agree with is um, there was no um, uh, adjustments to the field um, when... Um, head and Marnus uh, got on a roll. Um, so, yeah, all, all, I think what it came down to was just yeah, just the mindset and the approach um, um, on the day. And you know, like if we if we if we ran this final, you know, ten times, I'd say India would have would probably win seven times out of ten. But just on that particular day. Um, yeah, we were the aggressors and we came to win and India just sort of the occasion just got the better of them. Yeah, I tend to agree with most of the things you said. I think one thing that's easy to forget is they actually did start off as the aggressors. They were, I think, 92 in about 10 overs or something like that. Um, Rohit Sharma was going absolutely crazy. But when one was not controlling that aggression when they had control 
and that probably they probably needed to do that for 10 more overs and I reckon they would have won the World Cup if they had done that and then to your point once the momentum started changing they didn't even look like challenging again which was such a different field to playing India normally you know Virat Kohli starts firing around the 25 over mark or the 30 over mark or whatever it is and yeah you're, you're exactly right like Australia was taking the game on it's almost like they had nothing to lose. Australia had nothing to lose. No one really gave them a chance. I sure didn't. I don't know what you thought, if Australia was a chance or not a chance, but I didn't really think we were a chance. And, um, yeah, you're you're right on the money there. Like, whenever India needed to make a move after that first passage of play, they didn't really make it. And I think the crucial one that you touched on as well was moving Sky down. He was probably, like, their last roll of the dice, and they probably should have rolled it as opposed to leaving um sending Jadeja ahead and keeping Sky till the very end. Um and then yeah, the Labuchain field setting, that was bizarre. I couldn't believe it. I think they were just shell shocked by then and almost accepted their fate, um, which you shouldn't be doing at any stage of a World Cup. I've seen World Cup games change in like the last five, ten overs of the game, sometimes with thirty runs to get you get the other team winning. Yeah, it was interesting. Um I think that one's probably going to hurt India a lot because not only are their team a lot older now and these guys probably won't get to play a final together again, a lot of those guys, not all of them, uh, but they probably could have at least challenged Australia much more um, in that one. So the game's finished. Australia's won the World Cup. The presentation ceremony, I don't know if you've seen the replay of this one or not. It looked quite boring, quite empty, quite awkward. What were your thoughts on the presentations? Everything super awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it it was super awkward, especially seeing Cummins just on, on the dais on his own after uh, the the Prime Minister, Supreme Leader Modi, and presents the the, the trophy, and then uh, he just walks off. Of Cummins yeah. And he's just <laughs> I don't know what was going on there. And like <laughs> the, a lot of the Indian players were missing, not congratulating the Australian players or anything like that. Yeah, like I, I understand, completely understand from their point of view, this would have hurt a lot for them. Just pretty much, you know, world, uh, it, it's a, uh, it's a home World Cup final, playing in front of you know in excess of a hundred thousand fans. They would have you know felt like they let their their country down, and that the last place they wanted to be would be there. Um, but just from you know watching under sports. Um, yeah, you you always see like the like the losing team or losing individual stay for the presentations. So that's what I'm sort of used to. And yeah, it's not the best look. Like I wouldn't you know lose sweep over it. It's not like something that I'm super triggered by, but I did find it quite odd. Yeah, I know. And it was almost like a political ceremony with Modi and whoever our deputy prime minister's never heard of the bloke before. And then um also, yeah, like not to be there was, I thought it was quite odd, but who you knows, you know, who cares? We lifted the trophy, we're the champions, so as long as we get to do that, it's all good. Um, it's a new footprint. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And this is where I, I felt like this is where the funny season started um, to show itself. And I don't know if you've been reading the news articles or things like that. So Mohamed Kaif reckons India was a better team, even though they lost the game. So what are your views on that? I saw that on Reddit like yesterday, and yeah, I had a bit of a chuckle. 
Yeah, so on, on paper, no, um, there's no doubt there that they were the best team. But, you know, tournaments aren't played on paper. Um, and it's all about, you know, uh, you've only got one shot, really. You, you, it's, it's not like a, like a three-game series or a seven-game series like other sports. Um, it's one and done um, you know, in cricket. And, yeah, um, it's just, you know, bad luck. If you didn't turn up on on the day, you, you don't have the right to call yourselves, you know, the, the best team. I, I agree. And let's not forget, this wasn't a nail-biter finish. This didn't go down to the wire. If it went down to the wire, I think he has a little bit more legs to stand on. But given what happened and how dominating that win was, even like, you know, there were moments in both innings where India could have taken the game away from us and they couldn't. So I think it's a big remark for him to say the best team didn't win. Um, I think there is a bit to play with the toss and who batted first and things like that. But, um, you know, we didn't really come up with that cricket pitch. So um, actually that's something I really want to touch on quickly do you reckon they doctored the pitch oh who knows really if they, if they did it was a bad job on their part and they should have turned it into like a, a raging turner if they wanted to favor their team um so yeah yeah my in in my previous episode i was saying either a raging turner or a, probably my preference would have been uh, if i was the indian team for an absolute road because no one can go head to head with them from a pure batting point of view when it's a flat track um and i don't think maxwell would be able to score another 200 against an indian bowling attack compared to what he did against afghanistan yeah 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 well, I, th- I guess for ahmedabad um well the 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 type of pitch that they had during the test earlier in the year was just a, a flat road um that um went to just an inevitable draw so yeah perhaps yeah, which is honestly, which is probably what they should have prepared. Um, even a raging Turner, yeah, and played Ashwin. They should have just played for their guns. This was kind of like a middle of nowhere pitch, and really ended up biting them in the bum, um, bum or backside or whatever you want to say. Um, all right, so I've got a controversial question: Are India the new chokers of cricket? And just before you answer that, I'll give you some stats here. Runners up Cricket World Cup 2023, T20 World Cup 2022, semi finalist, 2021 Super 12s elimination. So I don't think they even made the knockout stage. 2019 World Cup 5001, semi finalist, Champions Trophy 2017, runners up, 2016 T20 semi final, 2015 World Cup semi final. 2014 T20 runners-up, and let's not forget, they lost the Test Championship final as well. So since they beat Pakistan, maybe England, actually, 2013 uh, Championships trophy, since MS Dhoni won his last ICC tournament, pretty much, they haven't won anything. Thoughts? Well, you just took those stats um, out of my head because I I looked at their recent history of like ICC tournament. Um, oh, in ICC tournament finals, and they're zero and five since 2014. And on on paper, on on from a talent point of view, like an all round talent point of view, it's arguably like the best team um, they've they've fielded. Um, so yeah, it really begs the question: like, is is it like a mentality thing when it comes to these um, these these um, big like um, trophy tournaments um, where? Yeah, something isn't coming together. Um, whether you know, it's a it's a coaching 
um, issue behind the scenes. Like they've, they've burnt through you know, several coaches like in the last 10 years, um, whether it's yeah, something to do with that or it's, um, so yeah, it, it's, it's a, it presents a pretty strong case to suggest that, you know, they are, or they, they have been choking, um, uh, consistently, uh, it's a repeated pattern. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned the five tournaments. I think it's more than five if you consider the ones they didn't even make to the knockout stages. And, you know, to your point, given the talent on paper and to Mohamed Kaif and Sanjay Manjarek's point, so if they are the best team, why aren't they winning these ones? You know, surely they would have won one of them. And when you go in 2013, this is 10 years ago, that's a long time ago in cricket lives. So it's interesting. And, yeah, they are definitely seem to be choking. I think them and New Zealand are just um, playing hard to get with the chokers tag at the moment. Neither of them can win anything. Uh, but to be fair, I think um, New Zealand did win the... Oh, did they? Did they not? I can't remember. Who won the last Test Trophy now, the ch- Test Championship? I feel like New Zealand... It was the Kiwis. Yeah. They beat it. Here, so they won something. They won something. They lost a few World Cups and T20 finals, but they won something. India hasn't. Then that's just the reality of it. They become the new Tottenham. <laughs> hey, no cheap shots like that, okay? Keep that to yourself. <laughs> and she's going to change the world. Spurs are forever. Oh, win the Spurs. <laughs> All right, so final question uh, for us today. What are you most excited for the upcoming summer? Well, if we look back at the last 12 months, it's been a super hectic 12 months of cricket for the Australian cricket team. Um, I, I can't remember a, a more eventful um, uh, year of cricket since, you know, the, the golden years from like 15, 20 years ago. So if we look back, start of the year, we had the India test tour. Uh, we had the world test championship final against India right before the ashes, of course. And then we had the world cup, which just wrapped up. So it's been a, a very a long, eventful 12 months. And so I just want to see this summer be like a celebration of like what we've achieved over the last 12 months and just see us just completely cream Pakistan and West Indies um, during, across, you know, the, the, the home summer. Um, and then, yeah, also just seeing Kawaja and uh, Lion back in action um, as well, um, given you know, they're getting on in years. And yeah, um, I know um, Lion has come on record to say that he wants to keep bowling for, you know, the, the foreseeable future. But yeah, given that these guys are just test only players, um, we haven't really seen them since um, the Ashes and for, and for, Ly- uh, for Nathan Lyon in particular, um, I think the first or second test where he, he got injured. Um, so yeah, it'd be good to see them back in action. And then there's a couple of milestones coming up as well. So Lyon uh, is on 496 test wickets. So he'll definitely get his 500 sometime in the summer. And then... Um, Steve Smith is getting close to 10,000 test runs. So he'll be like only the, I think the fourth Aussie test batsman to reach that milestone. So it'd be great to see if he can reach there. Um, I think he's got about 600 runs left to go. So given his recent form, maybe a bit of a break. That should take two innings against Pakistan, right? (laughs) (laughs) It might be a bit of a stretch, but we'll see. Um, But yeah, I think it's more just a celebration of what we've done, what we've achieved. And for us to just sort of sit back and relax and just watch yeah. us just. You, you really touched on some really good topics there. One is I don't think we do enough celebrating of our cricketers' achievements in Australia. 
Like, we won the World Cup and there was pretty much nothing. Like, donuts, no news announcements. Like, I don't, I'm not off social media these days, so I don't know what it was like over there. But then, you know, you see them land in Australia at the airport and there's like one person taking photos of them. I saw a meme somewhere that said when an Indian um, international student visits Australia, their family actually greets them with more photographers um, <laughs> at the airport than the Australian Cricket World Cup winning team. And I think that's accurate. That was ridiculous. I think we need to celebrate these players more. I get cricket's not as popular as it used to be in the late 90s and the early 2000s, but like I would love to see that come back into play. I didn't realize Nathan Lyon was on 498 because that's an amazing achievement for a guy who got questioned if he's even a decent bowler for a large part of his career. And I think in the last few years, he's really proven that he is. And um, yeah, what are your thoughts on Stephen Smith? So you said he's on the verge of 10,000. I'm guessing the other three are border, punting and steep ball. Uh, that would be correct. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I think it, I think it's those three, um, and then Steve Smith will be the fourth. The fourth. Yeah. What are your thoughts on him? Because I feel like he's actually going downhill from a output point of view. Not to say he's a bad cricketer by any means. I just think his standard has been so high that he seems to be in the decline now, which is kind of sad to see because I really wanted to see him end his career on an average of 60-plus, which probably won't happen anymore. But what are your thoughts on Stephen Smith? He's definitely been on a steady decline in the last couple of years. And, yeah, he doesn't have the the aura that he used to have, say, in like 2019 um, when he just absolutely um, single-handedly kept us like in, in the series against England. Um but yeah, from that point onwards, yeah, it's been a it's been a slow, steady decline. Like, so like he's still contributing. Like he's still, you know, I, th- I think he got a century in in England um, this Ashes series, if memory serves correct. But rather than you know averaging you know well in, in excess of you know sixty or seventy, it's sort of coming back down to like mere mortal levels. So he's still a solid middle order batsman, um, but. Yeah, he's no longer the, the the force he once was, and I know that um, in the past he has mentioned that he um, he he, uh, he may look into like walking away from the game like earlier than people may expect. So maybe that's on the horizon, and maybe with a continued run of um, just average performances, that may force his hand um, in in the next you know, twelve to eighteen months or so. Yeah, interesting one. Um, I don't think there's amazing talent coming through the systems for him to get forced into that. But I do hear what you're saying. Here's a left field idea. He opened for Sydney Sixers quite successfully last Big Bash League. David Warner's about to retire. Opening slots are quite hard anyway. Might not work out in test cricket, but what if we trial him out in that spot? As a test batsman? Or all formats? Potentially, whatever it comes to. All, all formats is what I'm thinking because he's, for me, he's just losing. And in all honesty, he's probably going to dominate against Pakistan and West Indies, but they're not great outfits. But, yeah, just all formats, just let him open. And the reason I say this is because there's been, me being a um, Sri Lankan cricket supporter as well, there's been a lot of Sri Lankan cricketers who's had 
very good success at the top of the order. Like Dilshan comes to mind. Joe Walton opened from time to time quite successfully. Joe Suri, of course, started at like number seven, but ended up being one of the best openers of all time. Um, for whatever reason, for senior players, they tend to be capable of playing that role. And especially if we don't have someone ready to go, I'd love for Australia to trial them trial him in different spots even if it's a start with t20 and odi cricket see how he goes i don't know if david Warner's is retiring from all formats he did say a cheeky let's see um see us in the next world cup i don't think he'll play that long but um yeah steven smith's what 33 34 now i feel like he might have that next world cup still in him but definitely not as a middle order player i think yeah well interestingly he's opening the batting in the 2020 series against india that's on now um and i I think oh, he got a okay. respectable like forty-eight or forty, um, uh, in in the first twenty match. That's right. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, but then again, like opening white ball versus opening red ball, completely different beasts. Yeah, two different games, right? Especially in like Australian conditions, English conditions, like Kiwi conditions. Like you can do it in Sri Lanka, India, where it's a flat flat track most of the time, and you kind of got to get a quick fifty, sixty to get this test match going. It's not the same, right, in Australia? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, potentially as, as a uh, as a white ball opener, like uh, taking on that anchor role, that might be suited to him if Warner ends up um, you know, retiring like you know, in, in, um, in the, you know, the next 12 months or so. But then I have some reservations about red ball, given he's, not the mo- he's never been the most technically sound batsman. Um, and yeah, a prerequisite to being a solid test opener is, you know, to be able to see off the new ball and that requires you to have to be pretty technically sound. So I'm not sure whether, um, the red ball opener would be suited, um, for him. Yeah. Makes sense. I'd love for Australia to give it a shot, even if it's at Sheffield Shield level. Anyways, that brings up to a wrap. That's all the questions I had. Thank you so much for joining. And looking forward to doing this again. Thanks, Damo, for having me on. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And yeah, look forward to being on again in the future. Awesome. All right. Have a good one, mate. Cheers. You too.